Together at the table. Integrity Music embarked on a podcast journey with a simple yet profound idea. To create a virtual table where many could gather, share life in all its colours, discuss joys and sorrows, hopes and dreams, struggles and faith, and yet feel safe to be vulnerable. The idea for our podcast was born from a profound perspective, one shared by my late father, on the importance of a table with Jesus. His wisdom laid the foundation for this series. No conversation with Jesus, he believed, was wasted. The table, perhaps crafted by Jesus in his carpenter days, was designed for closeness, where Jesus willingly listened. It's interesting that, um, because I guess uh, what I discovered a, a preacher, a, a Jewish Messianic Christian, um, and he was trying to explain that, that, that the tables are not the tables like we used to, that we do have now, but they were places at which you reclined, and so you kind of, you were head first, facing your audience or your, your, your guests and that sort of thing. And so each person was in this kind of almost like a round effect. Uh, whether that's true or not, I, I really don't know, but it kind of gave me a different perspective on, uh, you know, the fact that Jesus was a willing listener. He was good at, at taking up on things that people left unsaid. You know, that's, that's an incredible thing, really, because often when you ask people questions and, and there's all this talk, sometimes it's very flippant. The conversation is not necessarily very deep. But what I find with the Lord is that when he reclined at the table, I get the fact that he always saw into a situation. And as a consequence of that, it often wasted no time with conversation, flippance, you know, extra unnecessary stuff. Um, but he was able to get to the point. And that's why so many people to whom he talked always had a resolution to their problem quickly. And I think that's the, that's the benefit of listening to, to the Lord at the table, or that's why he, and that's why he went and, and reclined at the table, because he was not only a good listener, but he was a good discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of men's hearts. I find that fascinating. We asked a group of people the key question of the series. What if Jesus sat at your table? What would you say? If I were sitting at the table with Jesus, I would ask him what his favorite food to eat was. Um, my question is, how do I express the true love of God without judgment, especially to those who are non-believers? The story of Jesus' birth and the way that he came down is one of the most peculiar ways to tell a story that I've ever heard. My question is, why did you make it so difficult for people to believe? 
If I was at the table with Jesus, I would ask him, what was the hardest part of being human? The first thing that hopefully I'd be able to say is, hey, it's good to see you in person. (laughs) And a question I would ask him is, there are a lot of things that are contrary to what the Bible says, and a lot of things that Christians are believing that, that aren't really what Jesus taught. And so I think I'd ask him, how can I how can I love people well and not be afraid to speak truth to them? Yeah, I think if I could sit down with Jesus, the one thing that I would want to know is are you happy with the state of the church today? Hi, Andrew Phillips here. We've put together a resource for you to take your podcast experience to the next level. You can now bring the heartwarming conversations from our podcast to your very own table. Introducing the Together at the Table PDF Listening Guide. This guide provides a deeper insight into our series and offers you the chance to host your very own Together at the Table gathering. Inside, you'll find all the thought-provoking questions we discuss in every episode. Use these questions to create meaningful conversations with your friends and family, just as we do on the podcast. It's a great way to connect and grow together. Download your copy now by going to integritymusic.com forward slash together at the table. We'd love you to share your responses with us. What insights did you gain and what conversations were sparked around your table? We've set up a voicemail so you can get in touch and tell us about your stories from your table. Call 1-607-96-TABLE. That's 1-607-968-2253. We look forward to sharing your stories and thoughts on a future episode. Thank you for being part of this beautiful community. Together at the table. Our mission at Integrity Music is to help people worldwide experience the manifest presence of God and equip the church with songs of substance, ensuring everyone has a part to play. Behind these songs are real people, writers and artists facing genuine challenges in life and faith. Inspired by Luke 11 verse 37, where Jesus accepts an invitation to dine with the Pharisee, Our table became a space for interaction and open dialogue. In Series 1, Zach Bolan, Tim Timmons, Gilbert Nanlohi, Andrew Asenga, Todd Smith, Sarah Kroger, Stu G, Jack Mooring, Dwan Hill, Travis Ryan and Sandra McCracken graciously accepted the invitation to the table. It's heartwarming to witness how people from around the world have come together at the table to listen, learn and share. From the United States to the United Kingdom, Canada to Australia, the Philippines to Kenya, our global table is a testament to the power of shared stories. Before we delve into some highlights from the first series, let's take a moment to hear the impact our conversations have had. I really loved this Stoogie episode of Together at the Table, and something that he said that really stood out to me was just talking about the Beatitudes Project and blessed are the meek and just really trying to 
to point out the people in our society that we tend to ignore and loving and pouring into them. I really liked Todd Smith's episode because he made such a great point about how God is a God of second chances and restoration. I love the Tim Timmons episode. I saw there were so many comments about some of the things that Tim said. I wonder for him if it's frustrating or how frustrating it can be when people just come back at you with comments, you know, like that's not what you meant or I I just wonder how he kind of rolls with that. I loved the episode with Sarah Croker. I just really appreciated how vulnerable and raw she was. I felt like I was at the table with her and really enjoyed that episode. I really loved the Dwan Hill episode of Together at the Table. It was very insightful. I loved hearing him talk about the legacy that he wanted to leave and how he wanted people to think about him when he's no longer here. And it really made me reflect on that and how he leads us to leave a legacy for his children. Yeah, I love that episode with Jack Mooring. I think the question that I would want to ask is how do you balance resting in a life that requires so much of your attention at every point in the day? How do you rest without guilt? So what have I learned and what have I heard and felt throughout this series and perhaps what has changed in my heart? From the very start, we embraced the principle that no conversation with Jesus is wasted. We discovered that listening is more important than talking. A listen that set the tone for the whole series. We asked the same questions to our guests, but no answer is the same. And I have been profoundly moved and honoured to share together at the table with open and vulnerable hearts. The Bible says in James 5 verse 16, Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. I have honestly felt tears and joy in these open conversations, and learned so much about faith in all circumstances, and felt healing in my heart, and my prayer is that you did too. Each episode began with a prayer, inviting Jesus to our tables. Zach Boland's prayer, which inaugurated our series, echoes through each subsequent episode, setting a beautiful tone for our guests. Jesus, you are with us always, even now. And I just want to say, we want to say thank you. Thank you that you meet us where we are, especially around a table with people Um, No matter where we come from, we all have different experiences in life and somehow in your power you hold us all and are mindful of each of us and want to be at this table. So thank you. Amen. Amen. Tim Timmon shared his battle with cancer, prompting us to ponder How do we face life's unexpected challenges with faith? This spoke to me as my late father passed away with stage 4 cancer, and like many, have friends who are still suffering with that sickness. That was one of the most sobering days of my life. Um, Sobering seasons of my life. When you're told you've got five years to live, I was 22 or 23, I think 23. And yeah, Gosh, there was so much in that season that I remember um, I remember coming to this place of saying, okay, God, you're either God or you're not. Hmm. 
you know, because I, I, I was an awesome varsity American Christian up till that point. Just awesome. Hmm. Like, try to beat me at being so awesome as being at being a Christian, yeah. you know. Um, then it was like, uh-oh, does this thing work? Or is he God or is he not? Um, is he good or is he not? Hmm. Um, and then what's my response? Um, that's kind of the place that I came to when that all hit. Um, I mean, so much more to that. I'm but, sure. Uh, yeah, it, it it wrecked it wrecked us in a lot of ways, and was also beautiful. Hmm. Um, yeah, my wife had a major wrestling match with God for a few years, and um, gosh, thankfully she did. I'm so happy that she did, and I was able to wrestle in a just a real vulnerable way that that was allowed. Gilbert Nanlahi unveiled the real cost of writing songs that change lives, emphasizing that storytellers must live life before they can write about it. I mean, the fragilities of life is, it, life is very real, and um, you, you listen well, and you talk and uh, walk with people as best as you can and um, and relate when you can. And when you can't relate, you listen mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you respond accordingly. Do you find yeah. that the worship songs that that mean the most and, and really work on taking us closer to, to Jesus, that they've come with a price? The those songs will cost you your life. Mm. Those those stories, those um, uh, you know hardships, those uh, uh, victory messages, they cost something. <laughs> Sometimes it's your, you know, uh, your journey with your spouse. Sometimes it's your journey with a church. Sometimes it's God. You your relationship with God. You name it. There's mm. a plethora of um, of reasons uh, where. You know, we see it as a product, but it's, you know, the most meaningful songs came from something, mm. from a life experience. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Andrew Asenga revealed that songs touching hearts are often woven with suffering and doubt, but bring us closer to God. The things that I identified were there's a, a real, honest awareness of suffering and doubt in every one of those songs. Mm. Um, there's also an awareness of joy and of celebration, um, but there's never joy and celebration without the suffering and doubt. And the honesty of that, I think is really important. The second is there's a real awareness of time and place. Like we are only right here, right now. Right now, I'm only in this little black room talking to you, Andrew. I'm not 10 years ago. I'm not 10 years in the future, even though I'm constantly thinking about mistakes I made 10 years ago and worried about my future. Like I'm not those places. I'm only right here right now. And the third thing that I would see is that God is with us in our suffering and our doubt, in our joys and our celebrations. He is with us right here, right now. Todd Smith made me understand that we have many questions in life, but Jesus is there with us all the way along the journey through all our good times and bad times and even when we lose someone we love. He wanted to ask Jesus how his little girl Audrey was, who passed away 16 years ago. I think one of the first things I would say is, where's Audrey? Hmm. Um, how's, she, how's it been? 
you know, um, what, what does she do? What does a day look like for her in eternity? Um, I don't think I'm going to ask him, hey, why do you allow it to happen? And the reason I say that, um, it's not super spiritual. It's, it's more of a thing of um, when I'm in the presence of God eventually, and I think he, he'd be fine with me asking, and I could ask him, and he would answer gently and, and you know, hey, this is, this is what happened. Um, but I think when I'm finally in his presence, the glory of it, the, the the majesty of, of all of it is going to be so incredible that I'm I'm going to know and I'm going to be at peace. One of the most moving moments was when Sarah Kroger talked about her song Belovedness, teaching us that we are lovable simply for who we are. There's probably several, um, but the one that's coming to mind right now that isn't, I, w- I don't even know if I would classify it as a worship song as much as a, a song that leads people to contemplation and to prayer. Maybe that is worship. I don't know. Maybe mm. we don't need to be so strict about what our definitions of worship is. It's not a corporate worship song. Let's just say that. Um, that song is a, a song of mine called Belovedness, and it's... It was based on um, a season in my life when I did not believe in my belovedness. I did not, uh, I struggled with my identity as a beloved child of God. And I was owning a lot of other things about my life before owning my identity as a beloved child of God. I was owning the lies that had been told to me or that had been said about me or that I believed about myself. I was owning fears that I had. I was owning what society was telling me I should be in order and what I should accomplish in order to be loved or accepted. I was owning all of these other things and living out of that rather than living out of my identity as a beloved child of God. And there is truly a difference. Um, And so I read a book by Henry Nouwen called Life of the Beloved, and it kind of set me on this journey of of realizing and discovering these things about myself and uh, learning how to live as a beloved child of God. And so this song kind of came at the tail end of that journey. I think I'm still on that journey, but I had done a lot of therapy, a lot of spiritual direction, a lot of just uh, day in and day out work with that. And this song, Belovedness, kind of came out of that journey. Um, and it really kind of follows that same guideline of just stop owning the things that were never your identity to begin with. Own the fact that you are loved by God and that there's nothing that you will ever do or that has been done to you that could ever take that identity away. That's really what that whole song is about. And every single time I sing it, um, I feel like I learn a deeper piece of my identity and and I um, I get even like a, another glimpse at the way that God sees me, if that makes sense. Even just a glimpse. That's what I always say when I introduce this song. Like, Even just a glimpse of seeing how God sees me as his beloved child would be enough. And so every time I sing it, it's like I get another glimpse, another angle, another, a deeper level to his love um, for me. And so, yeah, I hope that when people hear that song that they get the same. Can you just sing a little bit now? <laughs> sure, I could sing the chorus. That'd be lovely. 
He says you might I smiled when I made you I find you beautiful in every way My love for you is fierce and unending I'll come to find you whatever it takes My beloved it's time to own your belovedness. We explored the significance of being real with Jesus, a theme beautifully articulated by Stu G. I've got a friend called Jim McNeese, and he's a, a, an amazing psychologist and, and a teacher. And he talks about um, Carl Jung and how. Carl Jung said that, um, you know, he talks about shadow and uh, and true self and false self and things like that. But Carl Jung said that 90% of the shadow, which is like the things that we shove down, that we, um, uh, things that we regret, you know, and things that um, we're ashamed of, he says that 90% of the shadow is pure gold. And so if I can leave on the table an experience of seeing the real Stoogy then uh, I think that would be helpful I, I think that was, I, would, I would like that I mean Dwan Hill the director of the choir room emphasised the power of coming together at the table bringing people together to feel Jesus' presence what the choir room has done I mean it, a year and a half ago uh, some friends and I were talking about how we missed gospel choir and choir in general. Um, a lot of us have been separated from each other for all the reasons in the last two years. And so we just felt like for that reason and just because we just miss being together in a musical sense. Um, you know, a lot of us work in music or go to concerts and it just seemed like we weren't having enough experiences together uh, where everyone had a voice and a part. Um so long story short, man, I threw up a lot. I, I lobbed a prayer and I said, Lord, if you can give me a small room and a piano and an organ, I'll invite my friends to come sing and we'll just have a good time and, and have a one-off, you know? <laughs> and uh, um, God provided a room and a piano and an organ within a very short amount of time. So I had to come through on my side of the deal and I put an Instagram post up and uh, I thought 20 or 30 people would come and end up being 90 90 to 99 people in that room. That was a year and a half ago. And since then, we've met every couple of months and it's grown to over 3,000 people on the email list. And our events are around 600 people every time we meet. And these are people who are, are doctors and nurses, stay-at-home moms, engineers, musicians and pastors and um, artists as well. Um, we sing in a round, so there's no stage. We sing in a round. We teach the songs. There's no performance or concert on a later date. What happens at that choir room is all that we do. And uh, man, people have been really responding to wanting to sing in choirs again. And um, I'm shocked, man. I'm in shock. Uh, we just recently did one in Austin, Texas. And last weekend, we did one in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I'm telling you, man, I never thought I'd be a part of something like this, but it's a, it's a dream come true. We explored being at the table with the marginalized understanding that even places not traditionally associated with faith, we can encounter God. Jack Mooring had a recent experience that was very moving. 
Yes, I, I, I think our table, our tables, particularly in the, the Christian West, have become over sanitized. Uh, uh, I read an article the other day how how people are sanitizing too much now. You know, like yeah. dousing their hands with everything, and it, and there's all these health uh, repercussions because of it. I think you know, ministry is supposed to be messy. Our our lives are supposed to, relationships are messy, and so yes, we are are trying our best to bring people into that table. I, I you know, I had a recent. We recently took a sabbatical, just a four week break from the church and it was wonderful, you know, just to get some, a breath, you know? Mm. So I did sailing lessons and cause I'd always wanted to go sail, learn how to sail. So I went to a lake here in Nashville. Anyways, it's on, and I, I'm in this class and it's three other people, uh, one, you know, one couple from out of the country were there. And I told them I was a pastor. I was like, don't start acting weird around me when I tell you I'm a pastor. And, uh, but all three of them were non-Christians and it actually convicted me because mm. I realized as a pastor, one of the dangers is that you're just hanging around Christians all the time because that's, you're shepherding people, right? And um, it convicted me. So I'm like, to be more intentional about, because I'm not in a in a mainstream workplace, right? And so to make sure I'm intentionally going out in the community and connecting with people who don't who don't know Jesus and and are in process just like I am, you know? Sandra McCracken spoke of the beauty of sitting in silence with Jesus, cherishing the moments in between sentences. You know, it's funny that at this point, at this moment, I think it would be really nice to just sit and share a meal and some of that nonverbal communication of that I describe with musicians. I feel like that would be the most profound thing is just to be with. And I feel like maybe that's because that's my most free, like that's, that's how I understand um, being with Christ has come to be with us. There's this incarnate, you know, by his spirit, he is with us. So I don't know if I think about the words as much as just like the, the physical presence of being with. That is a beautiful thought about the, the peace and the quiet at that table would be quite welcoming right now. Mm. Mm. Yeah, sometimes when you sit with people and there's a pause or there's a long pause and um, there's an author, Sherry Turkle, that I heard her speak many years ago. She talked about the changes in our society and she talked about the the title of her book was Alone Together. Um, And she just said, there's just something that you can't replace about that time between so the time between the phrases whereas if you're sending a text or an email um there's no gap so you just pick it up and you know you you carefully craft your response and you send it but when you're sitting across the table there's just all kind of space and there's sometimes there's awkwardness or sometimes there's just like the the sounds and the the sensation of like whatever whatever else is going on around you and you're experiencing it together and i think um i think it's so important to our are being human. And it's an amazing thought that Christ himself enters into our reality in that way and has and will again. Together at the table. As we approach the end of series one, we are challenged to continue sitting at the table with Jesus because together at the table, we are changed people.
It's not just about finding answers. It's about telling Jesus how we feel and seeking his guidance. Thank you for your unwavering support in Series 1, sharing episodes, subscribing, and engaging through likes and comments. We'll be back with Series 2, bringing more guests, more stories, honesty, tears, smiles, and prayers. Together at the table, where everyone has a seat, every story matters, and every prayer makes a difference. God bless you. Together at the Table is an Integrity Music podcast and hosted by Andrew Phillips. The show is produced by Lasting Media Group. Our executive producers are Andrew Phillips and Jason B. Jones. Special thanks to Callie Argent, Bruno Balduino, Olivia Buchanan, Madison France, Alicia St. Gillet, Robbie Moore, Matt Lott, Noah Newman, and John Schneck. Our theme music is Good God, Lo-Fi Version by Special Music from their upcoming album, Still Worship, Lo-Fi, Volume 2. To listen to more lo-fi and Christian instrumental music, search for Still Worship wherever you listen to music. To learn more about Together at the Table, as well as Integrity Music, visit IntegrityMusic.com. And to get more involved with the show, follow us on socials at TogetherTablePod. We've also set up a voicemail at 1-607-96-TABLE. That's 1-607-968-2253. If you have comments or questions, or you'd like to be a part of the show, please call and leave a message. Also, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps keep Together at the Table on the charts where people can find our show. Thank you once again for being with us Together at the Table.